everybody. Welcome to today's One Million by One Million podcast. Today we're talking to Jonathan Louis of Investo, and this is part of the One Million by One Million Global Virtual Accelerator, the first and only global virtual accelerator of its kind. We run it out of Silicon Valley, but with a global footprint, so we bring you international perspectives, but with a Silicon Valley filter because that is where we have had the maximum experience of building successful startups in the technology domain. So welcome, Jonathan. It's great to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited to be part of your podcast. And um, Fantastic. Open to your questions. So tell us about uh, your seed investing activities, your fund. Let's get to know each other. Sure, with pleasure. So I'm a managing partner of Investo. Investo is a seed or pre-seed early stage fund um, that invests mainly in the U.S. and in Latin America. Okay. Um, we have made uh, up to now 56 investments, um, most of them in the U.S., but also uh, I would say only 30% in, in, in Latin America. We have... Uh, we, we've tried a few investments in other parts of the world, but I would say that our focus is more, is, is more in the U.S. and Latin America. Okay. So let's uh, double-click down on what you said and get a few more um, you know, points clarified. When you say um, 56 investments, what sized investments do you typically make? So usually our, 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 we, we are more focused on the ownership than the ticket size. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually we try to have between 0.5 and 1% of the company. And I would say that the typical check size or sweet spot is around $50,000. $50,000, okay. And, and it sounds like you make equity investments, not convertible debt. Um, no, we actually do most of them, like almost all of them are safe. Uh, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of those debts are already converted to, into equity. But I would say mm-hmm. that we are looking more like... Our calculation is based more on trying to to keep that 0.5%. So we do the first investment. It can be in a safe on a cap, but mm-hmm. we try to maintain that ownership with followers. Okay. okay, fair enough. And what is the size of the fund? So between the two funds, we have uh, more or less $5 million under management. Okay. $5 million. So um, double-click down for us on the geography. You said U.S. and Latin America. Um, and as you know, we recently spoke with one of your um, colleagues from the industry, Nathan Lustig, uh, from Magma Ventures. And we actually double-click down on, um, on how they are thinking about Latin America investments. So help us understand how you are thinking about it are you investing in B2B, B2C? Are you investing in Latin America market-facing B2B or B2C? Are you looking at investments that are Latin American ventures selling into the U.S. market? How do you parse the various permutations and combinations of businesses that Latin America is producing right now? So maybe I'll give a, a, a little bit of background about myself. I'm actually from Belgium in Europe, uh, and mm-hmm. I moved into Mexico uh, 15 years ago uh, as an entrepreneur, not in tech, 
but uh, but in 2010, with my actual partner in the fund, um, we, we 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 co-founded a company of food delivery uh, that we end up selling to uh, to, a, to a, a first a Spanish company that bought us, and now it's part of a bigger group that already made IPO in London called Just Eat. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how we entered the, the, I would say, the tech scene uh, back in 2000. Like we started a company in 2010, 2012 we sold. Uh, we stayed and why did you to... move from Belgium to Mexico? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, it was actually, I was, I was pretty young. I, was, I finished my, my studies in, 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 in Belgium and I wanted to I thought it was easier to try and do something when you just finished university. Um, at that time, it's a, it's a better moment to try and, and live in other countries. And I had the opportunity to start a business in Mexico, but I, of course, I, didn't, I, I never thought I would stay that long. But I actually liked it here, and, and I, I saw a lot of opportunities, and, and I decided to stay. And are you based um, in Mexico City then? So, so today I'm based in Mexico City and, and, and of course in San Francisco. Um, I think like you said it yourself in the intro, um, I would say that the San Francisco is still like the, 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 the main place where all the community of, of, of all the investors, all the startups, all the entrepreneurs is, is, is gathering. So today we have an office in San Francisco, in Mexico, and we split time between both, both places, which is... Not that difficult because it's only a three and a half hour flight, um, yeah. and uh, we can actually have the best of both worlds. So, uh, uh, so, so then now so, so, elaborate on where um, where you focus in terms of the different types of ventures out of Latin America. Excuse me. Uh, elaborate on the different types of ventures that you focus on. You know. So, 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 yeah, so, we, so, so we, when we, when we, when we sold our shares in the company and we started um, to invest, we, we invested first, and the first fund was actually more about our own money and uh, and, and more like angel investing, uh, which mm-hmm. is totally different as, as investing for funds um, yeah. with a fund. Uh, so we, we started to invest more our own money as angels, more in in, in Mexico. Then more in the region, we started to travel a lot around to Latin America. But we understood that in order to be successful in investing, you need a, you, you need a strong ecosystem, and you need also to have access to the big funds that are the, the people that can actually put the, the big size tickets in order to um, to bring the company to to to, to a unicorn or, or to grow uh, to the next level. So that's 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 one thing that we understood by traveling and investing as angels. And the other thing is that we also understood that we had a lot to learn. That um, being an, an entrepreneur and being an investor are two different things, and there is also a learning curve as an investor. And we decided to travel more and more to the U.S. and specifically to San Francisco uh, to learn from other angels. And I would say that that's how we end up. Uh, going to a demo day at White Combinator. And it was a little bit of a change for us because, first of all, we met amazing investors, angels, and early stage funds, and they were really willing to, to share their, their experience and, and, and what they, like, their, 
what they knew about investing, and and we and we we discover an access to a deal flow that was way, I would say, more sophisticated than what we were used to see at that time in Latin America. And uh, and that's when we started to invest uh, in San Francisco. Um, we created a network there, uh, and we believe that a way to help companies uh, is actually to give them access to the network that you can find in the US because you have, you have, enough, you have more competition and you have more funds available uh, than what you can find outside of the US, especially in Latin America. So I would say that now the, the ecosystem in Latin America has evolved since uh, back in 2013, but it's still very young. And the biggest fund that you can find in Latin America would be considered micro VC in the U.S. So there's, a, there's still a big gap. Yeah. So can you elaborate on what kinds of um, businesses you are investing in? Are, are, are these B2C or B2B businesses? Is it so Latin America market-facing or U.S. market-facing? We are, we are pretty agnostic. And the way we started was actually to invest in company that had a, a global focus where we could help them enter uh, the Latin American market. That that's was back in 2013. It was a way for us to be able to enter deals that were maybe difficult to enter, but we could add value by helping them uh, uh, launching in Latin America. But today I would say that so on the sector, we are completely agnostic. We have invested in different kinds of sectors. Uh, and, and, and today, I would say that we are more focused on, on, on bringing a huge return to our investors. No, it's not really important if the market is the U.S. or Latin America. Um, we're trying to find the best um, potential deal to invest as, as, as early as possible. And, uh, and also to bring a lot of value to the company we invest in because we believe that's how you create a brand and that's how you can attract uh, uh, the good entrepreneurs in order to invest in them. So you don't particularly have an investment thesis. You're more of an opportunistic investor. Wherever, whatever deals come to you, you kind of look at them on a case-by-case basis. So we are more of, of looking for deals that we, we are interested. So we, 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 we are more in, a, in I, I, I don't believe that we are opportunistic because we usually are the first ticket or one of the first tickets in. So it's difficult to be opportunistic if you are the first one to invest. Um, but um, why? why? Why is it difficult to be opportunistic if you're the first to get in? What is not opportunistic? I, I believe that being opportunistic is if you see a good deal and you try to get in, whereas we are trying to, to identify tendencies and, and trying to be able uh, and to know the, 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 the founding team. Uh, we usually like to work with them a while, a couple of weeks, months, see if we can add value if we are on the same line. And if we think that we can bring value, then we try to, to close a deal with them. Um, so let's talk about your current portfolio. What have you invested in? What are kind of the highlights of your portfolio? And how do you decide what you want to invest in? So in order for us to, to invest, we, we just need an agreement between me and my partner. Um, so it's, it's pretty quick. Um, 
So um, usually we we analyze certain company that's in certain sectors that we are interested and uh, we try to, to to contact them. So we're pretty aggressive in trying to, to, to get in contact with the company we like. Um, so it's more, I would say, like, uh, an, like we are looking for the company more than we expecting them to reach uh, to us. Um, so that is more my question is what sectors are you interested in? If you just told me that you're not interested so I, in specific I, I, sectors yeah. and now you're telling me that you are interested in specific sections, sectors because you're proactively going after them. So that, that means that <laughs> so, you do so, have a strategy. So, I mean, I mean it, it, the, the, it's a good question and, and, and I, I, I get the confusion, but I mean, it's not that we are only, like our hypothesis is only investing in, in fintech or specific sectors. But when we identify that, so we analyze more than 3,000 companies uh, at the same time. So we analyze certain trends, like certain trends. And when we, when, when we analyze the trends, then we try to find a company that, that is, 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 is doing better than the others on that trend, and we try to, 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 to get to them. So, it's, it's so give me some examples of companies that you have invested in based on that principle. So, for instance, um, we analyze a company that's that actually now in an accelerator at 500 startups in, 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 in the U.S. Um, and they, we analyze that there, there is a trend in the way of, 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 get, of bringing goods to the, to the end consumer and, and not using the traditional uh, distribution. Um, so there is one company called uh, Public Goods uh, that that is actually trying to solve that, and they have amazing numbers. Um, and so we 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 reached out to him, and we worked with Morgan, the, the CEO, and we had a great connection. And I think that we can bring a lot of value, and we decided to, to jump in and to invest. Uh, and what is the Latin America angle of this company? What excuse me? What is the Latin America angle of this company? So this company has no Latin America for the moment. Uh, of course, in the future, it might be also the production and the sourcing of the product. But for the moment, it, it's, uh, they, they're producing in the U.S., they're selling in the U.S. Um, so there is no, no connection with Latin America in that case. So <laughs> you started off by telling me that your fund is focused on Latin America, so and you operate out of San Francisco and Latin America. In, two, in 2013, <laughs> it's, that's how we started. In 2013, we started to bring, uh, to add value by, by helping companies from YC, from other, uh, from, from other accelerators, and helping them uh, to enter the Latin American market. We are now four years later and we have been able to create uh, a network, and we, are, we, we, we do not want to be stigmatized as a fund that only invests in Latin America or with a Latin American angle. As I said, we want to invest in the best company and, and bring a lot of value to them, but also to our investors with, with high returns. So we do okay. have a lot of Latin American companies, and usually what we do, we try to find those companies early on. Like we just we invested... Uh, almost two years ago in a company called Rappi, R-A-P-P-I. Um, 
that's from Colombia. They end up entering YT. Um, and they're one of the fastest growing companies in Latin America today. Uh, in less than, than three years, they're raising the Series B. Uh, and they have some of the best top-tier VCs in, in the U.S., like Sequoia, Anderson, DSC. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a successful company of a Latin American company that went to the U.S., they went to YC to get mm-hmm. access to the right network, which mm-hmm. allows them today to, uh, to, to have access to that kind of, 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 of top-tier VCs. And that's something that we have analyzed that, especially when you're coming from abroad, you need to have access to those kind of VC if you want to create a huge company. So, so let me try to still parse what you are saying. You help some, in some cases, you go after Latin American companies where you can add value by introducing them into your Silicon Valley network. That is one of your value propositions to Latin American companies in the pre-seed stage. That's one sector. And you just provided an example of that. You also invest in pure Silicon Valley companies where you provide Latin American networks in case they want to get into Latin America. That is another differentiated value proposition where you have pre-seed you're offering pre-seed financing and a Latin America network potentially if they're interested in that. So these are two, you know, differentiated strategies in your investment that I have picked up so far. It seems like you also have a third kind of um, focus, which is just to find random good companies where you want to be pre-seed investors. That is a third interest area of yours. It's correct, and, and the reason for that is that we, 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 what we have learned about seed funding that there is a very social, um, it's a very social activity, and most of the funds, if you start to analyze who invests in what company, you can you can look at patterns that a lot of funds co-invest with other ones, and there's a very yes. social, uh, uh, and 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 for that reason. Uh, we've been in touch with amazing founders working on amazing projects, and it's, we, we we don't want to be limited in not investing in them because it can be like it can be the next big thing, and we and we have a responsibility with the money of our LPs to invest in the best company possible. Okay, got it. And um, what about Silicon versus uh, Silicon Valley versus the rest of the U.S.? Are you investing only locally in Silicon Valley, or are you investing I'm not talking about Latin America. We've already talked about Latin America. But when you talk about companies uh, in the U.S., are you investing all over the U.S. or just in Silicon Valley? So most of them are in Silicon Valley, but we, we do have a couple of investments in New York, in Boston, Salt Lake City, Boston with three companies. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So we, we, are, we are not limited. So, okay. like I said in the beginning, we, we invested in the past in a few companies outside of the U.S. And, and Latin America, and we found out, like, we have a great company uh, in, in, in Africa, but we found out that it's, it's, it's more difficult for us to bring value mm-hmm. and to be in touch because of the difference of, of time zone and, and to be on top of, of how we can help them, whereas companies that they are closer to, to where we are, 
we can help them more and we are usually more in touch with them. So we're trying to focus on them. Yeah. Talk to me about how you view the Series A gap. Um, there is a Series A gap clearly, and this, by this I mean the, you know, seed to Series A. And, and in reality, the series, pre-Series A has really become a very fragmented um, and segmented story now from pre-seed to seed to post-seed to pre-series A, then to maybe small series A, large series A. There is a whole continuum that is going on right now, but there is a lot more pre-seed and seed investments than, of course, series A. So what is your strategy? Since you're investing in pre-seed, what is your strategy to protect yourselves as well as entrepreneurs from the Series A gap, from falling into the Series A gap? So I, I guess that there's, a main, there's a few reasons for that first. And, 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 and the first reason is that new, like, like saves and notes made it possible for companies to raise more and more, comp, more, and more money without having to, to give equity. So it has pushed back the Series A. But the main mm -hmm. reason is probably because funds are always getting bigger and bigger. Yes, so the, the main reason is that the funds are getting bigger. It's not because it's possible to raise money earlier. It's exactly. because funds are getting larger. Yeah. And, and for them, it's better to raise a bigger Series A um, because they can put more money into the company. Right. So at the end, that's a reality, and we, and we need to adapt to that. So um, I would say that it's not, it, it can be also an opportunity for the, for the funders. Actually, I think that we are the one that are suffering from that. So as early stage investors and angels, we are the one that actually uh, take, like we, we, we are the one that, 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 are, um, that, that are losing here the, the, because for the funder, it's actually easier. They can raise a lot of money in saves and they don't need like to justify the new valuation and they can just increase the cap uh, until they come to the series A. Um, and it's pretty easy because they don't need to close the round. They can just accept more money and little by little increase the cap. And, and for, the, for the series A, it's great because they can, they can wait more time and, and make a bigger right. check. Uh, and for us, we are the ones getting diluted, so <laughs> it's, it's tough for us. But then I think that there is a, also an opportunity for, for small funds like us, which is to actually bring value and to work hard with the company and to justify that we can have, for instance, follow-on rights on, like, usually we don't ask that on paper, but we actually, we, we ask them to consider that if we do a good job, if they let us put the follow-on on, on, on the equity round. And I would mm -hmm. say that up to now, we always manage to get that right. So, and it's something that we, we, we think that we are earning, not that we are, we are not putting that on paper, we're not uh, uh, demanding that on, on, on before that, so we, we sign the same save as anybody else, but we really want. But your fund is not large enough to put um, follow-on money into a large number of funds. You can only do that with a very small number of funds, right? So it's true, but that's why we use STV for that. So when the check size is big, it's getting too big. We 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 use SPV in order to be able to continue and to maintain our follow-up. And what does that elaborate on that? What, how do you do that? So 
MSTV is, 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 simple, is simply to create a new vehicle in order mm-hmm. to be able to put more money into a company. And there is, it's, it's, it's interesting because you can put bigger check size and, and maintain in, in, in larger, in, 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 I would say, in, in bigger series. But the, the main, also, there's also a very good reason why for a small fund it's important because you don't want to affect your IRR on your fund by putting a big check in a company that's already on a later stage. Mm-hmm. So it's actually... So you have a pool of investors who are also limited partners in your small fund, exactly. but you, do, you have relationships with them and you bring them into exactly. a special vehicle, special investment vehicle, if exactly. you see an opportunity to put in more money. Exactly. So usually when we get to a point where it's... Usually it's around the Series B that, 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 that the check is becoming too big. So we, we do an SPV and we go with the RFPs and uh, they're usually really happy to, 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 to put on that vehicle their proportion of the fund in order mm-hmm. to, be, to, 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 to maintain their, their ownership. Okay. And how do you parse unicorn mania? As a, as a pre-seed investor, you could get buried under later stage liquidation preferences. And even as a seed investor, even with your special investment vehicle, you could get buried under later stage liquidation preferences. How do you protect yourself? So, so yes, I, 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 we, we know the risk. We believe in, in, in the relationship we built with the founders. And, 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 and at the end, we, we, we do believe that, that if you create a good relationship with the founders, uh, there will always be a good communication and, 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 and we would try to avoid um, those traps well, if, if possible. But I know it's not always in the hands of the founders, but uh, that depends on the term sheets they end up signing. So there's little we can do about that. Um, we hope to invest in the right people that, would, that will end up doing the right thing. So as it stands, you're not really selling out some of the small funds of your size and your stage are you know, looking at these opportunities very carefully and, and they don't really go beyond Series B. They sell out. You know, when, when a Series B is being raised, they take their multiples and just sell out to the Series B investors and, and so forth. So, there's, so there are ways don't. of kind of mitigating the risks there. I know that some funds does. We actually we going the for the long run, uh, but that, so depending also on what stage you are in your fund. I mean, you, we are only one year, like the second fund is only one year old. Yeah, so, you're very young. You you're gonna learn all these tricks as you go along. So we have the first fund, the first fund is in the year three, which is always a good year for the fund because you. It's the moment where some of the company dies, but other like we have a very good ratio in 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 how many company uh, uh, are raising Series A or already raised Series A. Um, mm-hmm. But in the fund two, we are only in the first year, uh, and we already have a Series B, which is pretty unusual. But mm-hmm. um, but I would say that. If now we had the opportunity to, to, to come out of a company, I think we, we, we would not take it because we still have many years in front of us for the fund. But yep. I, I guess that if we're in the year six or seven and we have the opportunity to get out, 
it might be a good option because don't forget yeah. that as a fund we need to get out. So yeah, yeah, we, and and that and it's taking time, right? It's it takes time to get to Series A. Given the metric these days of a significant five to seven million or five to ten exactly. million Series A, it takes time to get there, and it, you could very well be in year five or year six before Series A. So it's true. So it it, it will depend also when it comes, and and we will probably decide at that moment. We have a very good relationship with our bees, and we like to to talk to them. Uh, and 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 like at the end, they are they are my boss, you know. <laughs> so I will always go back to them and ask them like, uh, what they, what do they think? And uh, and and I'm sure that if a majority of our bees thinks it's a good moment to sell or to come out, we'll probably consider it. Yeah. Um, I think being open to some of these um, opportunities would be a good idea for a young fund so that you can protect yourself and not get exposed into some sort of a you know run up basically valuation run up which which is happening a lot these days yeah, I, I I guess that there's a big difference also between funds that only put the ticket and 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 then wait and funds maybe like us that are pretty close to the founder and, and so we, we usually know what's going on in the company. We usually are in touch, we know the next round, we know who they're talking to, we know how much But you, you know now because you're only in year three of your fund as your companies get beyond uh, you know to series A, series B and, and they start hitting their stride, you will know less and less probably because uh, you know, people get busy, and and it's investor relations is a very time-consuming affair, and what is possible in the early stages may not be as easy to do in the later stages. So again, I, I you're agree. going to have to play it by ear. I totally agree. I can only speak about our experience in the in so the far, last four yeah. years, right? And, and because I'm only we only started four years ago, um, three yeah. four years ago, three and a half years ago, and uh, and. Up to now, we have been able to maintain a good relationship and being able to to help them um, during those those moments. So right. I, so I, let's no, I, I I cannot say what will happen in another three years, but I hope that we can maintain that relationship. I hope yeah. that we can continue bringing value, uh, and and that's how we we like. We we are aiming to to create value to like to create a brand for for, for investors uh, by by helping the farmers. Um, yeah. I think that the best way to know about a, a fund is to talk to their portfolio companies. And uh, so let's talk about a, a different topic. That's my last line of questioning, which is um, you know we are in 2017. It's not like we have new Facebooks or new Salesforce.coms coming up left, right, and center. Lots of stuff have already been built. Nowadays, there aren't so many wide open opportunities out there. There aren't as many big discontinuities like when the iPhone came to the market, the smartphone category opened up and a very big discontinuity came about. Same thing happened with cloud computing. Same thing happened with social media. These were major discontinuities. And at the moment, there isn't another major discontinuity like that that has uh, you know, that level of impact. AI is, is big. It's a big trend, but, I, but it's a different 
I think it's a very different kind of opportunity than uh, you know a smartphone coming into the market, for example. However, there are a lot of niche opportunities, and because there is a basic uh, you know it's infrastructure platforms ecosystems that are already in the market, um, you know there there are a lot of small niche opportunities. Some of these businesses need to be built for small amounts of capital, say one or $2 million and sold for 10, 15 millions. In some cases, you know, invest 250, 500K and sell for five, 10 million. Do you have appetite for these types of investments? So I guess that it really depends not only on what they're doing, but why they're doing it and, what, and where they think they can bring it. Um, if I take an example of Rappi, we saw most of like, it's it's a sector that we know pretty well, which is the delivery, the food delivery. Uh, Rappi mm-hmm. is a mix between Postmate and Instacart because they bring every anything you need. But there will be they. So so first of all, the vision they have is is really to transform the way you can get anything you want in, in Latin America. And the reason why it's actually a better product in Latin than in U.S. is because of the cost of labor. So. When you, when you speak to the founders and they can explain the vision and, they, and, and they're going to bring that to another level and they can explain why it's a better market to do it in Latin because the cost of, like, they can bring anything in less than a half an hour for less than $2. And when you can, when you can do that, you can, you can really get to, like, a big part of the population, not only the, not only the 1% of the richest people. And, uh, and I guess that that's how they... They, they were able to raise money from those big names because mm-hmm. they, they really there is a real reason and there is a real vision of where they can they want to bring the company. And that's but that is not the that. question I'm asking. I'm asking a different question. I'm asking a question where the the invest the entrepreneurs by definition of the type of opportunity we are talking about will not be raising money from the big funds. So in this case, the opportunity is not to act as a feeder into these large funds. The opportunity is to fund some entrepreneurs and then exit straight away. Yeah, but I guess that, that depends on your strategy as a fund. And we are not looking into... That's what I'm asking. Are, is this part of your strategy of the fund or do you only act as feeders into the larger funds? No, we, 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 we look at the company that... Like, we don't, we don't try to make quick wins. We, we really want to find company that can actually, uh, I, I guess that we believe in the, in, 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 in the VC that, that really invests in the next big things. Um, I know it might sound like a cliche, but we really are looking for unicorns. Um, and we, we really, like, the only way today to do that is if you can, at a certain moment, raise money from those big funds, because you're going to need that kind of cash in order to grow. Yes, in principle, in theory, the problem is there aren't going to be that many unicorns. There's too much money chasing too few real unicorn deals. As a result, there's a lot of pseudo-unicorns being pumped up with huge amounts of money, and, and they're not going to make it. So I think the problem we have right now, the good news is there are a lot of options for entrepreneurs to raise pre-seed capital and seed capital, but as you can see, the Series A gap exists. The Series A gap will continue to exist because a lot of these companies that are, you know, pe- that funds are pumping up to be unicorns are not going to make it. 
as unicorns and and that's where that's the problem sure. is and i i think uh, you know if i were in your stage uh investing in companies i would look at the other option also of investing in companies and going for you know straight exits if you can find those companies so i think that our strategy is to try to find those next unicorns but also a good thing when you have those those, those top-tier VC investing alongside. And it can be also early stage. Like we have invested with first round, with uh, some, some uh, uh, floodgate capital or that are usually doing more early stage. Uh, the good thing is that they're also very well connected. So it already happened to us, to a company that we invested. And that is not they, my point. Of course, I, I don't deny the value of having a... a top-tier firm and their network as part of your strategy. The problem is finding unicorn companies that are really going to be unicorns. I think there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, delusions of grandeur in, in the early-stage startup ecosystem. And, and I think it's it just by definition, because there's too much money chasing too few really great opportunities that are going to become unicorns, you're inevitably going to invest in a lot of stuff that you, you're kind of deluding yourself to believing that these are going to be unicorns. They're not going to be unicorns. That's my point. I, I totally agree. But also, if the worst case scenario that it's, it's not a unicorn and it gets sold for $200 million, it's, it's always a good catch for the funds. But that but is not going to happen. What is going to happen is if you overfund the company, it is not going to find an exit. You're, what I'm saying is there are there's a huge opportunity out there of small exits where companies build a product and then maybe they go to market through somebody else, like by selling into somebody else and accessing somebody else's channels. It is the I, companies I, that raise too much money and price them outside of exits. That's where the, the casualties are happening. I, I totally understand. And, and I... I get that there are many funds that are trying to do those quick wins and looking for, I would say, less risky companies and trying to make a, a quick flip. We are not that kind of fund. And I know it might sound risky and, and, and maybe not the best, like for some people, maybe not the best strategy, but we have analyzed many funds and we have also analyzed the, like the successful funds, how they've made, uh, and usually, most of them is, is, is by having a few companies making huge returns, especially in early stage. Yeah, um, that is the venture capital game. It's like nine out of the ten portfolio companies fail, and one succeeds disproportionately. That's what makes the fun. That has been traditionally the venture capital model, absolutely. But if, and, you, and, if you look at a universe of 500 early stage funds all trying to do the same thing or, or more, like if you look at a universe of 3,000 funds that are all trying to do the same thing, this, the, totally it's agree. mathematically not viable. I totally agree. And I guess that here you need to have access to a special deal flow. Yes. You need, you need to be able to enter, be, like you need to, have, to, to know the team enough to, to, to be able to evaluate how they're doing, but early enough in order to enter before they raise from the, from, from, from the top tier VC because then they don't need you anymore unless you can prove how you can help them. Um, 
And I think that's, that's the two things. So the way we do that, that's, that's also maybe something different as many other funds. Like we are a small fund, we are a small team, we are only six people in the team. But out of those six, we have two engineers, full-time engineers. And we develop a lot of tools and we have a, our own platform that allows us to be able to follow now more than 3,000 companies uh, to see how they evolve in time. Um, it's also helping us with a relationship with our LPs. Everything is automated. I don't, like, I don't really need to make like, reports to my LPs because they have access 24-7 to everything we do. They can follow from the moment we know the company, the due diligence we do with them, at the moment we invest with them, every time we meet with them, we put notes there. So we have a, a, a policy of 100% transparency, which obliges us to be on top of our game every time. And, and it also allows us to use technology like any startup does in order to scale something uh, uh, and, and, and to be more, like we, we, we can probably look at more companies than, than other funds because we use technology to do that. Um, All right. Okay, Jonathan, I, I think we've uh, more or less covered, um, you know, I think we've presented in this conversation a pretty good overview of what you do, how you do what you do, and what's your differentiation. So thank you for sharing that. And uh, thank you, listeners, for listening. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, please go to iTunes and review the podcast, and we will be back with more in due course. Thank you. and. See you soon. Bye. Thank you.